Alrighty, everyone, welcome to another episode of the Middle NI Softball Podcast, and kind of like we alluded to um, on the last episode, we knew we'd have at least two more episodes um, with an all-conference game today for the sectional championship, um, and Metamora edges Washington 3-1, to one, an awesome game, a really well-played game um, by both sides, I, I think even... Um, Washington's perspective despite the loss and you had that late surge by Metamora but those first five innings were um, a heck of an effort um, to keep it keep it close or keep it interesting or what whatnot Um, but Metamora gets the win Uh, like I said three to one was the final score Um, early takeaways um, before we get into stats and I'll talk about this, I think, in at least a couple. I, I did three post-game interviews. Um, actually, four. Because um, Coach Linder, you'll hear from Coach Linder. You'll hear from Katie Ramage. You'll hear from Maddie Mooney. You'll hear from Washington head coach Stephanie Lawson as well. Um, so, And especially with just the one game having happened within the conference and literally the last game left in the conference and Metamora now the last team standing in the conference, um, not a whole lot else to talk about, um, at, at least at, as as much length as I typically like to do um, for all the games in the conference. Um, but early takeaways, um, definitely um, I, I thought Brooklyn Ogden was remarkable, um, especially kind of talking about that section of the game, the first five innings. Because um, I, I feel like kind of conversely how we were talking about um, in the last episode, right? Talking about Metamora's mentality uh, going into tonight's game. Um, j- just talking about not being so worried about the fact that they had swept Washington in the regular season, but more so what they did to sweep Washington. And I, I feel like as important as that was going into the game, I, I thought Brooklyn did amazing um, through those first five just because I, I do think it might be kind of easy, obviously, you know, to each their own in terms of mentality and how they approach or how they utilize past performances. Um, but to not let that get to her head and truly prove that the postseason um, doesn't really um, have anything to do with the regular season other than, you know, like I've said before on here, just little, you know, maybe a little more strategic anecdotes that you might know about certain players, certain teams and whatnot. Um, but she had Metamora down pat through the first five. I think one, one thing in particular um, is her off speed was working pr- pretty well. Um, like I said, until a little later, th- Metamore finally started to crack. And I mean, they're good enough that they were probably going to eventually find a crack. It's just, they needed to try and find more cracks than Washington did at the plate. Um, which I got an interesting stat to get to speaking of which, um, on that front. And I want to thank, uh, coach Lawson for prompting my looking it up to verify. Um, but we'll get to that when we go through the statistics, but, um, Brooklyn's off speed in particular, um, that, that was something that in the last couple meetings, um, Metamore has done a pretty good job of picking up off the release point right out of the hand. Um, and I will say that it's not too many teams have been able to do that. Um, and these past couple meetings, at least Metamore had been, um, or at least well enough to get some hits and get wins. Um, but today through the first five, I, I thought when she needed to go to it, um, Metamore didn't really have any answers for the off-speed number number of kind of silly looking swings whether it be out of the zone or in the dirt dependent um, on the pitch of choice um, for Brooklyn but I mean her off-speed was great her game overall was great Um, I think obviously like like I said that late surge was um, a little tricky Um, and Metamore was trying their darndest to get some plate discipline they drew three walks within the first two innings um including back to back from till and ramage in the first um but they they only had one we'll go two hits we'll say two hits um through the first five innings um which is something else um that frankly doesn't really happen a whole lot um but I, I think the big moment of the game, and I, I think you could talk about any one particular plays, but the, the inning as a whole. Um, let's start with, so in the top of the fifth, uh, Metamora went 1-2-3 um, in the 9-1-2 spots of their order. 
Um, 11 pitch inning, uh, for Brooklyn. It ended up, uh, being the shortest inning of her night, uh, by pitch count anyway. Um, and so she was feeling real good. Uh, Metamora conversely fight fire with fire, uh, whole or Nora Johnson throws an eight pitch bottom of the fifth. Um, and really, I think that stats, one of the more remarkable stats of the night. Cause I mean, listen to this. He had a, uh, Grace Scrivener's single, a Carly Vaughn's single, and technically, even though it was what the inning ended on, Layla Harris reaches on a fielder's choice. Uh, five batters come to the plate, eight pitches. Uh, so certainly can't complain about that stat. Um, but I, I feel like the big moment was that top of the fifth going pretty quick. And obviously, again, talking about how good Brooklyn was doing outside of those couple of walks, how effectively pretty good she was doing through those first five. Metamore, bam, responds with that eight-pitch inning. Okay, as good as she threw in that fifth inning, can she come back out in, like I said, just eight pitches? And I think, um, no, she did not bat in that fifth. My bad. Um, But still having to turn around that quickly, I think, uh, more often than not, especially on the baseball side of things, and even softball too, of course, but um, you talk about when when your team is having a really good inning at the plate, um, really long inning. Um, you know what what are you doing to stay you know kind of active um, over in the dugout and whatnot? And like I said, Brooklyn did not bat in the bottom of the fifth. She nearly did a couple of uh, lineup spots from doing so. Um, but how would how would they respond? Not just Brooklyn in the circle. Obviously, she's the one that throws the pitches. But how would Washington, as a team, uh, respond on the defensive side after you know a seemingly quick top of the fifth? But Metamore goes three pitches quicker in the bottom of the fifth. Uh, top of the sixth ended up being the game. Um, Metamore drew a leadoff walk from Katie Ramage, a single from Ellie Schaefer. And as good as Nora Johnson pitched today, and uh, Jim Matson mentioned this on his Twitter account. As good as Nora Johnson pitched today, um, her biggest play might have been at the plate. Um, a sacrifice bunt uh, to move both Katie and Ellie into scoring position. Um, and then the big one, Kerrigan Hartnett, an RBI ground out. Um, that Actually, I, I take that back. The first run was scored on a wild pitch um, uh, with Katie Ramage coming home. Um but after that, it was an RBI ground up from Kerrigan, kind of a little uh, tough play um, in the infield in terms of ball placement, conversely with defensive alignment. Um, and that allowed Ellie Schaefer to score um, and made it 2 to nothing, Metamora. Um, and the, the other big thing um, was in the sixth, talking about how key of a, of a response inning, when you particularly look at it that way, how big of a response inning it was uh, for Washington at the plate, but also Metamora at the plate. Um, But not just on that aspect, but looking at it with who they had due up in their respective sixth innings. Metamora's first three due up were Ramage, Schaefer, and Johnson. A couple of the more reliable hitters in that lineup. Obviously, there's others, but in terms of, you know, you're certainly not, I guess, certainly not complaining if, if that's the part of the order that's due up for you. Um, for Washington in the bottom of the sixth, they had Bailey Herrick, Malone McKinley, Brooklyn Ogden, who off the top of my head, I would assume are top five in average on the team. I do believe Bailey's number one. Um, and I, like I said, I, I think, uh, Malone and Brooklyn are top five as well. I don't have the numbers right in front of me. I actually, uh, I actually got rid of most of my prep for the game minus my scorebook. So like I said, I don't have those numbers right on my person. Um, but still, they're you know they were right where they wanted to be in the order, um, and I think that's what made it a must-score inning for them, um, or, or at least try and get some kind of damage um, taken care of. Just because um, obviously they still had an inning to work with, but I feel like you know must score in the sense that you want to try and get that run or two or whatnot. Um, in that bottom of the sixth, get some pressure put on the Redbirds without having the pressure of needing to walk off in the bottom of the seventh. Um, but that's kind of where we, we were going, going into the sixth. Um, but strike out, pop out, fly out. Uh, Metamore holds them one, two, three. Um, a 10-pitch inning uh, for Nora in the circle. And so now, now the... Um, now the message or the rather situation... Um, was, okay, 
You responded. He scored two. You held him one, two, three, only through 10 pitches in the inning. Now you got to add more. Um, because I, I just had a gut feeling. Um, and I, I've mentioned this even a couple episodes ago, just talking about how in this latter portion of the season, and to be clear, not that they weren't at the start of the season, um, but particularly later here in the season, Washington had been hitting the bat real well. The runs they've been scoring um, have have been kind of at a slightly higher rate, I guess, if you want to look at it statistically anyway, um, here at the end of the year. Um, and just, just wanting to add insurance um, because they're a good enough team that they are capable of maybe even tying the game back up um, in the bottom of the seventh. Um, and there is an outside chance of turning it over to the top of the order as well. Um, so the game was far from over. You needed to add some form of insurance. Um, and they got what they needed. Um, Maddie Mooney drew a walk. Now you knew because it was 8 9 1. Um, Addy Pacia came in to pinch hit, I believe, the lone substitution of the game, minus courtesy running uh, for Lauren Riddle. Um, I believe those two are the only quote unquote subs of the game. Um, but Maddie Mooney drew a walk out of the nine spot uh, to turn the lineup card over um, with a base runner, obviously. Like I said, the lineup card was going to turn over anyway. But the fact that she did it uh, with um, having reached base as well um, certainly helped. Kennedy Knee snapped her 0 for streak that she had at that point. She was 0 for 3 going into that at bat. Um, and then the quote-unquote icing on the cake, if you will, uh, Katie Ramage with an RBI single uh, that plated, I believe, Lauren um, in that top of the seventh and set what ultimately ended up being the final score. Um, and one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, so Metamora, I'll get to, again, get to the stats here in a second, but uh, the specific stats, I should say. Um, but Metamora's five hits, five players had one hit. And I think any time, um, especially this time of year, you're able to get that kind of distribution um, out of the bats. You certainly aren't going to complain about that. Um, but like I said, just said it, game ain't over, right? Um, and I, I do think that the only tricky part um, when you look at when you were looking at the bottom of the seventh on paper, anyway, um, is the bottom the bottom four of the Washington order. The bottom four of the Washington order um, entering that part had um, had one hit, I think. Uh, bottom five um, had one hit combined going into the bottom of the seventh, um, and that was a Grace Scrivener single in the fifth. Um, so. You don't want to say Metamore liked where they were um, because then again, like I said, the Washington Bats are so consistently threatening effectively one through nine. Like obviously you have your hitters like Bailey Herrick, who like I said, I believe is the Panthers leading RBI hitter. Um, but they're pretty consistent top to bottom in that, you know, there's always some girl one through nine that's some form of a threat, maybe different aspects of batting, um, but that is a threat in some way, shape, or form. Um, and the reversal of statistical fortune, if you will, uh, started with a Lauren Campamanis leadoff single, um, and then Grace Scrivener doubled. That put two runners in scoring position. So being in Washington's shoes, you kind of liked where they were. Um, and of course, Ellie Redling Schaefer, uh, with an RBI ground out as well to make things interesting. And again, uh, still having that runner on in scoring position with Scrivener having doubled, um, but then a strikeout, uh, to end the game, um, Nora Johnson's fifth strikeout. Um, the reason I place emphasis on that is there is a chance she got 200 strikeouts on the season, um, tonight. She did not, um, she finishes with, finishes tonight, uh, with 199 strikeouts on the season. Uh, so so long as she gets at least one strikeout on Monday, um, she'll get to that 200 mark. And if you're curious, uh, 14 strikeouts away um, from surpassing the program's single season record, which is currently held by pitching coach Jody Bowen. All right, so um, it's kind of my thoughts, kind of a little bit of a surmising um, on the game as best I can. Um, we'll take you through the actual stats, not that there are fake stats, but you get my point. Um, Carly Vaughn with a single, 
Um, Layla Harris reaches on a fielder's choice. Bailey Herrick with a single. Malone McKinley with a single. Um, Lauren Campomanis uh, with a single that we just mentioned. Uh, Grace Scrivener. Uh, is she the only? Uh, yes. Uh, the only Panther to reach base multiple times in the game. Uh, she hit halfway for the cycle with a single in the fifth and mentioned the double in the seventh. Um, and Ellie Redling Schaefer um, had two successful plate appearances but did not reach both times. Uh, walked in the third and then mentioned her RBI ground out um, towards the end of the ball game. Um, Brooklyn Ogden, 141 pitches, uh, seven innings, five hits, two earned runs, uh, five walks, and seven strikeouts. She's headed off to Rock Valley College um, at the JUCO D2 level. Um for Panther fans that may be interested, I I swear them and ICC play almost every year, or at least you know Rock Valley plays someone remotely close. It's the beauty of uh, the D two JUCO level, um, especially within the state of Illinois. Is there's a lot of schools that are fairly close by. So if they for for some reason don't play ICC next year, they should be playing pretty close. If you want an opportunity to see her um, at the next level next year. Um, Heck of a program, by the way, for Rock Valley. Uh, the run that they've been on, obviously they didn't win the championship this year, but 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 she's going to a pretty good ball club next year um, up at the D, JUCO D2 level with Coach Monroe and company. Uh, so I'm anxious to see what she's able to accomplish there. Um, and again, a great season uh, for Washington nonetheless. Obviously it's a shame someone had to lose this game. Um, that's kind of one of the biggest thorns in the side uh, for this time of year is you get incredible matchups like this, 1,500-plus people crowds, um, but somebody's got to lose the game. Can't can't have both teams win the game, of course, and and that's kind of what sucks. Um, and but still, I, I think a pretty reputable season, all things considered. Washington. Um, the the one thing that sticks out to me, um, looking at it bigger picture, and obviously rankings don't mean a whole lot. Um, but they were top ten, uh, for most of the season. Um, they had that, you know, little bit of a slide, nothing too extreme at, at kind of the midsection. Um, and then all of a sudden, kablammy, they knocked them all the way down to 14 in the state poll. And I go, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like, like, you know, selfishly thinking, you know, somebody that knows the Panthers as semi well as I'd like to think I do, or at least just a general, um, opinion on them based on what I've seen them play, um, I'm like, okay, yeah, they maybe they're on a little bit of a slide, but they're not the number 14 team in the state. Like, they should have stayed in the top 10. And um, I, I think that that version of them really showed their colors, uh, like I said, uh, with their hitting at least at the end of the season and towards the end of the regular season into the postseason. Um, and, and like I said, for about 80% of the season, if not 90%, uh, kept their top 10 ranking um, in the ICA 3A poll. So a remarkable year nonetheless as um, maybe a sad, frustrating. I mean, there's probably a whole slew of emotions, as is the case when any uh, when any season comes to the end, but especially um, when they've had a success, as successful a season as they've had, especially within the context of the Middle Illini Conference. Over to Metamora um, and their final statistics. Um, we'll start with Kennedy Nee. Mentioned her single, her lone uh, successful plate appearance of the ball game. Um, but obviously, to be able to shake that off at the end of the ball game, you're certainly pleased uh, with her being able to do that. Uh, Cadence Till reaches base twice um, with a walk in the first and a single in the third. Um, Katie Ramage reaches all four times, um, which I think, yep, is the lone Redbird to do that. And I'd have to actually look. Um, how many times it's happened this year? I don't feel like that's happened at least one at, at more than a couple times. Just because, you know, as good of hitters as the Redbirds have, you know, you'd think one of them, you know, one time be retired at one point or another. Um, but Katie with a walk, fielder's choice, walk, and an RBI single. Um, also of note, three stolen bases to bring her season total to um, to thirty three. And actually, let me do the quick scan. So three for Katie, one for Kerrigan. All right, so that brings the season total to 99 uh, stolen bases going into Monday's Super Sectional. Um, but so Katie, a walk, fielder's choice, walk, and an RBI single with three stolen bases. Um, Ellie Schaefer with a single, and mentioned she scored on the wild pitch in the sixth. 
Um, Nora Johnson with that huge sacrifice play in the sixth. Um, Kerrigan Hartnett with a single and a huge RBI ground out. Um, also stole a base um, as well. Uh, Sidney Trentman uh, drew a walk. Um, and Maddie Mooney uh, drew a walk as well. Um, and then Nora, uh, with the win in the circle, moves to 23-1 and on the season. Uh, seven innings, six hits, one earned run, one walk, and five strikeouts on 85 pitches. Um, and again, her five strikeout total moves her to 199 on the season, looking to become um, just the second uh, Redbird pitcher this millennium. Uh, so we think we're only missing a, a couple years in the early 2000s. But to the best of our knowledge, um, only her and pitching coach Jody Bowen would have um, scored or not scored, uh, struck out 200 or more batters in a single season. Uh, got to strike out at least one uh, batter against uh, Lamont on Monday, which sounds easier said than done, um, to be frank. Um, but just because how good Lamont's been this year and as always. Um, but final line scores. Uh, Metamora, three runs, five hits, no errors, and seven left. Uh, Washington, one run, six hits, one error, and six left. And the time of the game was one hour and 50 minutes in front of an estimated crowd of 1,342. Uh, definitely, I think, was over 1,000 because uh, it looked at least double um, what was at Metamora on Tuesday at its peak and at at its peak, it was about five, six hundred, maybe six fifty, something like that. Um, so thirteen hundred forty-two seems like a pretty fair estimate uh, for the crowd that was there tonight. Um, Metamora moves to thirty-two and three on the year. Uh, Washington finishes their season at twenty-six and nine. Uh, Metamora, you get the rematch. Uh, Metamora and Lamont on Monday. We'll talk a little bit more about that on the out-of-town segment. Um, but can Metamore finally touch Sage Marjetko? That's the headline. Uh, we'll go into a little more detail about that um, at the end of the episode. Um, but boy, do we have a ton of interviews to get to, to talk to all the people I could anyway. Um, and also want to thank Coach Stephanie Lawson for the time at, at Washington. I, I do apologize. I haven't been um, interviewing uh, some of the other coaches quite as much as I would have liked. Um, but did get a chance to talk to Coach Lawson and get her perspective on the ball game and really the season as a whole. Um, she'll talk a little bit about that as well. Um, but we'll start with her. Uh, so here is our post game interview with Washington head coach Stephanie Lawson. So what I want to start off with is I feel like Brooklyn, those first times through the order, was doing so much better than she had the last couple of meetings. What were you seeing out of that as her, as her, or seeing out of that as her coach, and what was working so well for her? I just think that when you come in postseason, you just got to play to win and not to lose, and that was the mentality we were going for. And um, you got to give it up to Metamore. They had a great game today, and to try to look on the positive, um, we cut it closer than we had the first two times. We still came up short. We needed that timely hit. Um, but other than that, you just give props to Metamora and what's in the best of luck. That's the million-dollar thing this time of year, right, is the mentality part of it. As you know, strategic as you can prepare for a game, if you don't come into a game mentally prepared, things could spiral. Kind of talk about how you've seen that as a coach over the years. Oh, I agree. Uh, softball is a game of failure, so you have to be willing and being able to adjust within the game and being okay with you know maybe not getting that first hit, but then you come up your second or third at bat and you get those timely hits for us. And Same thing on defense. You can make an error, but you hope a teammate picks you up and you just continue knowing that you know physical errors will happen but you got to stay in the game every pitch. I like asking coaches this when their respective seasons end. Best word or phrase that you can think that encapsulates this group for you? Um, I think we went through a lot of adversity this year, and that was one positive, being able to go through different situations and, and find our way to this sectional championship game at the end. All right, Coach, congratulations. I want to thank Coach for the time. Um, and like I said, I mean, you know, Obviously, I would say maybe at least through tonight, if not tomorrow, I think especially with state games still going on tomorrow and maybe even in the Monday um, being the round that they would have played had they won. Um, the emotion's still riding pretty high. Um, but just still want to thank her for the time. And I, I even went over and said something to Brooklyn after the game just because I, I thought, kind of like I said earlier in the episode, right, um, just, just how much um, better I think she was in this game and how well I think 
because I mean, me personally, I'm I'm no good whatsoever. Um, but it just in terms of what Metamore did the first two times and um, basically showing that means nothing and do, doing much much better today. And I I thought particularly your off speed was terrific today. Um, but for her, for all the seniors, Carly Vaughn as well. And I I apologize, I'm going to miss some folks. Um, but a, really a terrific team, top to bottom. Uh, somebody had to go um and like i said that's what sucks about this time of year is that somebody had to lose that ball game if i had the roster in front of me i'd say all the seniors i'm so sorry um but again i i kind of had to do away with um most of my prep for the game that actually had a little more details than just numbers and names uh just because we were clearing out the press box and whatnot um but a remarkable season uh, for the panthers like i said nonetheless i think that's a pretty good word to use um into the metamora interviews talked with a couple players afterwards and i typically try to leave it to one player and one coach um but with the significance of the sectional championship and one game from state now and all that fun stuff i wanted to talk to a couple players um talked to both maddie mooney and katie ramage um and like i said coach lunder as well of course as per the usual um but we will start um with our post-game interview with maddie mooney um, caught Nora for spectacularly and held things down there behind the dish. Uh, so here's our post-game interview with Maddie Mooney. So, Maddie, I, I want to talk. We'll get into the strategy first, talking about going up against Brooklyn. And the question I mentioned with Coach is, obviously, you guys did really well against her these last couple meetings. A, how did you balance that? B, what did you see out of her early? Because it seemed like a totally different approach from her, or at least totally different level of success this time around. Um, I think that we've always, like, I mean, she is a great changeup. She's a great pitcher, honestly. Uh, she's one of the best in the conference. She's a really good changeup, and we've always struggled with that. Um, I think we knew that coming in. I think the last two outings we we weren't as ready for the changeup, and I think like this time we were ready for it. And uh, I mean, even if we were getting out, we were putting in play rather than just Kane on it every single time. So that's a plus. What, what's this mean to get back to this stage, um, knowing how hard it can be, not just within the section, but within the conference, et cetera, et cetera? I mean, I've done this a couple times. Um, I'm really blessed, honestly. Uh, we have a really good sports program over here. Uh, it, it feels really good, especially with this team. Um, I think we're out for some blood, considering that this, we're in the exact same situation last year. I know we're not going to go down the way it went down last year, and we're going to work on Sunday. We're going to make sure that, that that does not happen. I don't want to bore you with the technicalities, but Ottawa was able to put some pressure on Sage Marchetko today in their sectional final. Knowing that, but also balancing the motivation of what happened last year against her, does that kind of take any sort of different approach into Monday? But Again, focusing on what happened last year was exactly that last year. I said that actually in the dugout. As soon as you came over the uh, speaker and said that there was runners in scoring position, I was like, they can do it. We can do it. Um, it's kind of just like motivation that gets us like to the point where we want to be. We already have like the mindset motivation. We want that way more than they do. I can tell you that. Uh, but it, I feel like it gets like a little bit of pressure, less pressure, knowing that if they can get runners in scoring position, I know that we can as well. All right, Maddie, congratulations. want to thank Maddie for the time, and um, I, I think she's uh, been a pretty important piece, obviously. I'm kind of building that chemistry. You know, you talk so often in baseball and softball about pitcher-catcher relationship, and I think her and Nora have meshed quite well this season, and and Maddie's been a wall back there, um, holding things down in the in the catching position. Um, at times, uh, Metamore has occasionally gone to others, um, sometimes Sophie Eaton, um, I think Allie Trentman caught an inning at like Morton or something like that, I think. Um, but Maddie's been carrying probably about 95 plus percent of the workload, uh, behind the plate and she, she's been fantastic holding that down. Had a chance, um, to talk, uh, with Nora Johnson as well, kind of get her perspective, um, on the ball game and, Toughing out another game against Washington. Somehow, um, she keeps finding a way to do it. Um, she, she's she been remarkable this season. I know I've kind of used that word a lot in this episode. Um, but so here's our post-game interview with Nora Johnson. Uh, 
Well, you find a way. <laughs> I, tell, I told you this a couple times last year, knocking down East Peoria, Washington. You've won, I think it's three, if not four straight against them now. More, most of them with you in this circle. What, A, makes it so difficult, but maybe then conversely also so relieving getting these wins over a team as good as they are? Playing a team three times, they know exactly what you have. And especially I've played against these girls since I was like 10. And they know me, I know them. So it just makes it another level of like, my spins have to be perfect. Their hitting has to be perfect. It just is hard all around. I don't mean to sound like I'm crapping all over our hitting in the first couple innings, but when that situation was the way it was, how are you trying to maintain confidence in the circle knowing that these bats, you would assume anyway at one point, are eventually going to break through? How do, how do you maintain that confidence? I know that we are going to hit eventually, whether it's the sixth inning like today or the first, we're going to come around and we have the defense to back it up when our when our bats are not working right away, but they will come around. With what happened last year, came down to one pitch effectively, quote unquote, but how do you balance the motivation of getting perfect game last year and turning the page to this year, even though it is the same teams and effectively same matchups and whatnot? It's definitely... Um, it gives us energy because they beat us last time. She threw a perfect game, which good for her. She's going somewhere big, but that's that's like hunger for us to come back and get them this time. All right, congratulations, Thor. I want to thank Nora for the time. Um, 23 and one on the year, 199 strikeouts, the whole bit. Uh, she's been awesome. Um, so. With that, we'll move along and um, also talk to Katie Ramage. Uh, and she's got an interesting perspective, uh, spoiler alert, um, looking into Monday. Um, but Katie's got a real interesting perspective on that that I kind of get to um, about that. Mentioned in the stats, she reached four times today, uh, which is obviously solid and had the RBI single late in her three stolen bases as well. Um, but here's our post-game interview with Katie Ramage. Um, so talking about this Washington series, and obviously I feel like it's a good, it's such an excellent showcase for the conference that you kind of knew, um, all due respect to East Peoria with the injuries they had, that it seemed like you and Washington would be the one and two. You get this kind of stage, and you obviously come out with a win as well. Kind of talk about all that. I mean, this feels like the World Series, if you want me to be honest. I mean, huge crowd, rivalry game. This is anything that we wanted for the sectional championship, and both really good teams well coached. And we knew it was going to be a battle, but those final innings, we pulled it through and got the job done. What was Brooklyn doing so much different in this game? Because it felt like those first couple times through the order, she was doing a fantastic job. Obviously, we're able to find some seams, but what was going so well for her, you think, kind of seeing that perspective as a hitter? That changeup. I'll tell her that changeup is her best pitch, and she throws it well. And even if you know it's coming, sometimes you got to really second-guess yourself in that, in that batter's box. But she's a great pitcher. She hits her spots well, has good movement, but... Yeah, that's what was working for at the beginning. Kind of speak to how, considering how well Nora was doing in the circle, that that kind of keeps the door open for you all. Considering how well was Brooklyn, Brooklyn was doing, the, you know, that zero stayed up on the scoreboard long enough for you guys to eventually break through. It's nice when she just holds them to zeros for majority of the game. It takes it a little easier on us. But, yeah, she does a great job in the circle, and we've been riding her all postseason, and she's doing a great job, especially for a sophomore. You play Lamont again on Monday. This I'll tell you, this is not the question I was going to ask you, but um, I mentioned over the PA speaker as well how Ottawa was getting runners on against them. Obviously, you guys maybe are a different team to Ottawa, but kind of talk about how that maybe gives you like a, hey, if they can do it, and they just did it a couple days ago, we presumably could too. We just got to approach it the right way. Sage is a great pitcher, but we haven't seen her this year, and she may be different. And that people are getting on, that gives us a little more confidence that, you know, we have just as good of a chance to do that ourselves. That picture from the Journal Star last year that I asked you about in the preseason, you actually have a chance, instead of just making a preseason talk at the start of the year, you have a chance to maybe make that picture look a little happier, per se. How much of motivation is that good for you going into Monday? Oh, it's a huge motivator, and especially in the second inning, beginning of the game. I mean, that was a letdown, and I was frustrated, but I mean, it's one pitch. It's one at bat, and that's the game sometimes, but I'm hoping we make more out of this game. Adam, if you're listening to this, this isn't me talking crap about the Journal Star. Just mentioning the picture. Uh, but congratulations, Katie. Thank you. want to thank Katie for the time. And a big hit there late, big game for her. And uh, she, as you can tell there on that last question, she's probably 
um, maybe as motivated, you know, as anybody, um, just because of um, that one home run uh, that Lamont got in the super sectional last year being the difference maker. Um, and like I alluded to, that, that picture um, that was taken of her and kind of how that serves as a motivational tool uh, going into this year's uh, super sectional. Um, we're going to wrap things up. Uh, not wrap things up. We got the out of town segment. Don't worry. I'm not, it's not going to be much. I'll give you a warning about that. Um, but still got a little bit to go. Uh, but we'll march right along and play our post game interview with head coach Derek Linder. Kind of uh, speak to this, the strength of this league, having two two conference teams playing here in the, the Sweet 16, and that's got to be a huge, you know, uh, feather in the cap of the conference. Yeah, ever since 2008, when we, you know, it split into four sections, it's been like that. And, you know, Limestone won it, we won it, Washington's won it, and, you know, it, that's just been this league, and now we're getting down to where we're fighting for sectional championships. You know, Washington played a great game. They're a really, really good team. Brooklyn Ogden's a really good pitcher and uh, we just got her figured out for enough hits in a row and you know maybe a couple nubs in a row there and um nor getting that butt down was just absolutely huge that's the key of the key of the game because everything turns when we get one run talk about the difference in how brooklyn adjusted against you guys because obviously you've hit her pretty well these last couple meetings but at least early on she seemed terrific today she started throwing that change up and that's you know i think there was a good day for our Younger kids understand that the varsity level is about change. It's about change, change and speed. It's not about throwing hard. You know, everybody can hit hard at the varsity level. But, you know, if they can change speeds, we're in trouble. And so I think some of our younger kids found out that they're going to have to compact their swings and learn to hit a changeup because that's going to be the key to beating us the next couple of years. Did you, did you figure it would be kind of, a, you know, Three to two, three one. Yeah, I mean, you guys know each other really yeah, well. I knew it wouldn't be a six something game in the seventh inning like it was the first two times. You know, I knew it was going to be pretty tight. But you know, that's why we play the schedule that we do. We play a tough schedule. That's why we go, you know, up up north and we have those teams down here because we need to be put in that situation. We need to be put behind the eight ball. And when we get in that situation, you saw us. We just didn't panic. You know, there was it was just here we go, here we go, we're coming, we're coming. And that's that's a, you know a mark of a good culture and a, and a good team. It's no secret going into Monday playing Lamont how good Sage Marjetko is, specifically what she did to us last year in the Super. What's the message to make sure that that's not too prevalent of a thought for the girls going into that game on Monday? You know, uh, there's there's no pressure on us. We're just going to come in there and take our swings and try and get on top of something, and hopefully we can we can get one or two put together or we can get that one run because we think that we're pretty good on defense and pretty good in the circle too and I think we're going to give them a lot more than they've handled this year. You you talked to me in the preseason episode for the podcast about how using that one pitch last year and trying to build it into something maybe even bigger and better now that you're one step away from cup making that fruition kind of kind of tell me about that aspect of it well i think we do i think we understand that the little things matter and making plays matter you know just like cadence you know smothering that ball there at the end and just getting me out you know when i know a lot of kids would want to go home on that but she just understood what it is and understood little things matter get this get this get this get this get out of here and um you know, that's what we're going to have to do here. Well, Coach, congratulations. And want to thank Coach for the time. And I kind of had a fun uh, moment with him afterwards. I, I said, because he, after we had done all the interviews and I was, you know, working on social media content and whatnot, I go, well, well Coach, I'm, I'm a little surprised you're dry, you know, because I thought it was a big win, top ten. Um, you know, all all that fun stuff and and he's like, Yeah, and you know, just kinda shakes it off and you know, part of me was thinking in the back of my mind, is it too early for that? You know, do do you wait to at least make state or, you know, win a state title, uh, to do that? Uh, I do think part of it is also the expectations uh, this Metamore softball program has, um, especially when you look at it from a historical perspective. And I'm not knocking the sectional championship at all, um, but in terms of like truly historical celebration, um, probably would have to win the Super because 2010 is the only other team that's done that. Um, so 
I don't know. Maybe maybe if Middlemore is able to pull it off on Monday, maybe we get a Gatorade shower. Who knows? Um, players, if you're listening to that, keep that in your back pocket. But obviously, um, kind of got a bit of a Goliath to take down um, on Monday. And, of course, that's where we go to uh, from there, talking about the rest of the games in Class 3A. Um, we'll start. Um, we're going to finish with the game that Redbird fans are probably most concerned with, uh, but elsewhere in 3A real briefly, uh, Bennett knocks out St. Ignatius with a dominant win, 10-0. The Red Wings um, are in the Elite Eight. I I think that's a team that um, I think they'll be in state, especially uh, now knowing that Iggy's out. Um, I just call him Iggy for short, St. Ignatius. Um, I'm a little surprised St. Ignatius even made it this far because they did lose their super good pitcher from last year that – um, almost had them beat Lamont in the state championship. Um, but they still had a pretty good season. Uh, bit of an upset, uh, unranked Richards, uh, out of Oaklawn, uh, shuts out a really good top 10 St. Lawrence team out of Burbank. One, nothing final score there. Um, Sycamore, uh, walks off Sterling, uh, six, five, uh, Antioch is a five, one winner in their sectional championship. Mount Zion, uh, not really an upset. Um, number seven and number five in the state polls. I, I think a very, very, very small upset, um, but beating Glenwood 6-3. to three. Glenwood, a team that a lot of folks thought had a potential for a state run. Um, so that, that puts a Metamora, another Metamora opponent in the Elite Eight. Um, congrats to Coach Blakey and company. Um, not that I want to pick favorites, but they were on Metamora's schedule. Um I uh, congratulate the Braves on another Elite Eight appearance. Um, and weirdly enough, someone's got to be an outlier, right? Um, it's an Elite Seven uh, right now. Um, Waterloo and Charleston uh, don't play until tomorrow at 10.30 a.m. Not entirely sure why they need to do that, um, but I guess that's when they're playing. Um, and so the opposing sectional championship, got to talk about it. Um, Ottawa and Lamont, and Lamont shuts out Ottawa 7 nothing, and you go, all right, all right, well, you know, it is what it is. You know, Lamont, you know, Lamont's Lamont, I guess, per se. Um, but that score, I think, is a little deceptive um, when you look at the box score. Ottawa stranded multiple runners in scoring position, often early in the game. In fact, they started off with a first-pitch single. Now, I didn't have a video stream pulled up, so I don't know what kind of hit it was. Maybe it was a bloop single that they just happened to make contact on. Um, But against a pitcher that's as good, that's as potentially dominant, that's, could you say, iconic? I mean, her career's not over yet, but perhaps one of the greatest IHSA pitchers maybe ever in Sage Margentko. Uh, just because of how just unbelievably dominant she is. I do not believe she's allowed an earned run all year. In fact, I I wouldn't be surprised if it's maybe been since State two years ago, uh, but I'd have to double-check that. It seems a little long, um, but, I mean, she's just that good. Um, but, again, that being said, um, Ottawa was in so many potential scoring positions. I do know off the top of my head they at least stranded two in scoring position twice. Um, so they were getting in those potential run scoring situations. Um, and I think obviously Metamore and Ottawa are two different teams, but that does cause you to look a little differently at Monday in that, you know, you would think, um, if Ottawa's able, uh, to pull something off like that, and obviously Ottawa's a really good team. Um, but if they're if they're able to pull that off and at least get those base runners no less in the scoring position, you would think if Metamore approaches the game in a as proper a manner as possible anyway, um, that they can try and get something going. And again, Lamont is a good enough team that you just kind of need some breaks to fall your way. Um, but I, I do think that kind of changes the mentality knowing that Ottawa was able to get four-plus runners in scoring position, which, again, is is borderline uncharacteristic uh, for Marjetko. Um, and I, I did kind of make the joke um, earlier during, while following that game up in the press box, the, 
the first time, um, and I, I say joke, I, I mean it in, in good taste, um, in favor of Sage, um, but earlier in the game, I think it was like within the first three innings, um, Ottawa had two runners in scoring position, um, and I, I look over, um, Jim Humphrey runs the scoreboard for us at Metamora, um, and Adam Duvall from the Journal Star was up there as well, um, and I go, I wonder if she's looking in the dugout and going, what do I do? Like, not, not, obviously, she's an incredibly talented pitcher and she knows how to approach the game. But, I mean, to be quite frank, when was the last time she had two runners in scoring position against her? I, I'd have to look that up. So, like, just like being in unfamiliar territory, um, just because of just how dadgum dominant she's been. And, uh, and obviously, um, as most fans, at least Redbird fans and maybe Hank area fans, um, that no, uh, Sage did throw a perfect game against the Redbirds last year. Um, and I don't know, I, I, by no means am I going to come out and like guarantee a Redbird win or something like that. Um, but I do think things feel a little different this year. They've seen her once and I'm not saying that guarantees anything either, but they have a little more of an idea. They've seen a team that's good as Ottawa able to put runners in scoring position. And I think so long as they approach the game the right way, um, not, not be too intimidated about what happened last year. Um, not be too, uh, worried, um, about that scale of dominance, um, that Lamont's had over the last couple of years, of course, the defending state champions in class three, a, um, and they've actually made the state championship game, um, in now two straight seasons, they're trying for three. Uh, they were the state runners-up um, in 2021 to Highland, um, and which I believe um, is the last loss uh, with Sage in the circle. I do not think that their losses, if any, since then um, have been with one of their alternate pitchers um, in the circle. Um, but just be you. It's the best thing I can say. Um, just be you, um, kind of like I was talking about going into the Washington game. Um, be more worried, uh, not worried, uh, be more prepared um, for what you think you can do to beat Lamont. Don't be worried about Lamont, if that makes any sense. Like, Don't be worried about Lamont as this dominant, juggernaut, Goliath-esque team with a Goliath-esque pitcher. Just be worried about the situations you can try and put yourself in um, to win the game and be state-bound. Easier said than done. I, I, I wish I could say I was Nostradamus or something like that. Um, but um, it all comes down to Monday. Um, will that be our last episode? Will it not be? Um, there's obviously either only two outcomes, either Metamora, either Lamont, uh continues their great run um, and makes it back to the state finals in hopes for uh, three straight trips to the title game as well as potential back-to-back state titles? Or does Metamora pull it off? Um, And I'm looking at, so for those of you that don't know, I work the IHSA state finals on public address as well. I've actually got four games tomorrow. Um, But um, I wasn't given any assignments for next Friday. So if Metamora were to beat Lamont, I'm thinking about Mixlering that game. I'll keep you all posted. Obviously, Redbird's got to take care of business on Monday, but um, I'm floating that as a possibility if the Redbirds are able to uh, pull it off. Um, it's not going to be easy. I mean, heck, nothing's supposed to be easy this time of year. We all know that, right? Um, but I got to give the Redbirds a shot. I mean, I, I, I don't think it's so much to where Lamont is guaranteed to win this game. I don't think it's that by any stretch. I think Lamont's definitely the favorite. Metamore is definitely the underdog. Um, there, there's no doubt about that. Um, and I, I think that is kind of hard to place that label on number one versus number three in the state. Um, but again, as much as I think you could call Lamont a quote-unquote clear favorite and Metamore a quote-unquote clear underdog, I, I don't think you can lock in the result of this game. Um, I, I didn't think you could lock in the result of the Ottawa-Lamont game. Um, and you look at it with how many runners Lamont or Ottawa rather was able to get in the scoring position. Um, 
in terms of keys going into Monday, I think one of the things to look at, um, one thing that's kind of struck me this year about Lamont, um, and again, they are now mascotless. Um, I would hope if, if I do get any Lamont listeners, I wouldn't think I would. Um, but hopefully they don't count this as naming them as such. They used to identify as the Indians, um, but dropped the mascot like last year or something like that. Actually, because I, I think they still had uniforms that said Indians on them last year. Uh, so they perhaps had phased the mascot out just partially last year and now is completely out. So they just go by Lamont. They're mascot list for now. Who knows if they'll find anything um, in the short term or if they'll just go by Lamont for now. But, um, yeah, I'm ready. I mean, I'm probably going to be at Eastside Center pretty early on Monday. Um, again, Eastside Center staff gracious enough to um, have me back as the public address announcer for that game, try and keep me sane, um, which, to be frank, to be put in a role where you do have to be neutral, um, I think does kind of help me, so I'm not losing my mind over the course of the game. Um, but it should be a fun one on Monday. Tickets will be available online, um, and I do think they are strictly online. I do not think East Side is taking cash, uh, so just a heads up on that. Um, but it's about it. I uh, got one team left. It's the Metamore Redbirds, um, outright Middle Illini Conference champs, uh, now sectional champs for back-to-back seasons for the first time in program history, and now one win away from the 2023 state finals. Will they get there? Will they pull off the quote-unquote upset? Again, I hate using that word, but can they pull it off against Lamont? Or will Lamont uh, remain on top, per se, um, after the Marjet Co. Perfect game uh, last year? We'll have to see how it pans out. That's our next episode, by the way. Metamore and Lamont from Eastside Center um, on Monday in the 3A Super Sectional. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, again, congratulations on a great season for Washington. Um, you kind of could see this as a potential collision course when the assignments came out, um, when you didn't even know who was in what regional. Um, you just knew they were on opposite sides of the sectional. Um, and you could kind of see this as a potential sectional championship matchup. I'm so glad it was. Jam-packed house. People were leaving seats out overnight. Um, Cut Sports was there. MTCO was there. I mean, all the news media in the world, Jim, Kurt, JD, um, Adam, like they were all there. Everybody was there, and it it definitely was worthy um, of such coverage. Um, I think I can say this now since there's only one team left. Um, If you are not like Coach Anna Bundy and in Oklahoma City last I checked, I didn't talk with her to see how long she's going to be there, but she's actually down there, which is kind of cool. but if unless you're out of town, the heck with it. There's only one team left. Uh, come out on Monday. I promise you don't have to wear red. If you don't want to wear red, that's fine. But just sit on the Redbird side of the field. Um, but it should be, a, I think, a really good game. Um, Metamora and Lamont rematch last year's Super will again be our next episode coming up on Monday. Um, I want to thank Coach Derek Linder for the time, Coach Stephanie Lawson. Um, and on the Redbird player side, both Maddie Mooney and Katie Ramage. Um, yeah, let's get it done, right? One game away. Uh, one game away from clinching at least some form of a state trophy. It's a big one. Metamore and Lamont Monday from Eastside Center. That's our next episode. Uh, thanks, for everyone, for tuning in. Another episode of the Middle Line Ice Softball Podcast.